This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. So today begins the season of Advent. Beyond the walls of our church, stockings are being hung, trees are being decorated, store employees are filling their shelves with anything that anybody could ever want ever, especially after Black Friday. The world around us is running headlong into what's often called the most wonderful time of the year. Meanwhile, here in the church, we linger in this peculiar season called Advent. We won't sing Silent Night or Joy to the World yet. And if you look at our nativity in the sanctuary, you'll see that baby Jesus isn't there yet. You see, that's what Advent is all about. Advent is the season in the church when we intentionally wait for Christ's coming. Advent means coming or arrival. It's a season of expectation. And in this season, we await Christ's coming into our hearts. We await Christ's coming into our lives. And we await Christ's coming into our weary, weary world. I was telling someone the other day how much I love the season of Advent, and and he asked me why, and I kind of bumbled around an answer of trying to explain why this season means so much to me. And then later, I ran across a quote um, that really encapsulated why I love Advent so much. This is a quote from the Reverend Heidi Newmark, who wrote this while she was serving a church in a South Bronx neighborhood that was riddled with crime and poverty. And, And this describes exactly why Advent means so much to me. Here's what she said. The distance between the world as it is and the world as it should be tears at my heart. Probably the reason I love Advent so much is that it is a reflection of how I feel most of the time. Advent unfailingly embraces and comprehends my reality. I think of the Spanish word anhelo or longing. Advent is when the church can no longer contain its unbearable, unfulfilled desire, and the cry of Angelo bursts forth, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, O come, O come, Emmanuel. For anyone who laments the state of our world, the pain of life, the suffering of your neighbors, then Advent is your season. Advent acknowledges that the world as it is, is not the world as it should be. Advent points out the truth that we all know and take for granted, that life is hard, that evil is real, that suffering is everywhere. But Advent dares to promise that in the midst of all of our mess, God is working to make everything right. Advent promises us that even though the world is full of darkness, Christ's light shines into the darkness and the darkness can never overcome it. This Advent, we at um, Apex are using the lectionary, which is a three-year cycle of scripture that Methodists and many other denominations use as their um, scripture readings and worship. And the scripture readings appointed for Advent give us a picture of the world transformed by God. 
And as we go through Advent, we behold these scriptural visions and we hold them in tension to the pictures that we have of the world that we live in, a world that is often falling short of what God intends for us. And so our scripture reading for today is one such vision, and I invite you to hear this reading from Isaiah chapter 2. This is what Isaiah, Amos's son, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of mountains. It will be lifted above the hills and people will stream to it. Many nations will go and say, come, let's go up to the Lord's mountain, to the house of Jacob's God, so that he may teach us his ways and we may walk in God's paths. Instruction will come from Zion, the Lord's word, from Jerusalem. And God God will judge between the nations and settle disputes of mighty nations. Then they will beat their swords into iron plows and their spears into pruning tools. Nation will not take up sword against nation. They will no longer learn how to make war. Come, house of Jacob, let's walk by the Lord's light. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. The people of Isaiah's day were going through a period of great fear, of violence, of change. They were a small nation, and they were surrounded by mighty nations who were circling them like sharks circle their prey. And within this small nation, facing facing fears without, they were also facing division within. There was poverty and crime and fighting. It was a mess, all of it. All of it was a mess. And into this mess, God gave Isaiah a vision, a vision of the world as God intends it to be. In this world, all people, all people are drawn to God's presence. People learn together how to walk in God's paths. In this world, God will settle disputes even among the most powerful nations. There will be no more wars. There will be no more threats to national security. In this world that God intends for us, people will be safe. People will be free to garden free to put down roots and grow their families to know the bounty and the fullness of life, life as God intends it. Anne Frank wrote in her diary, look at how a single candle can both defy and define the darkness. Look at how a candle can both defy and define the darkness. I think that's the power of Isaiah's vision. It simultaneously defies and defines the darkness. It defies the darkness in our world saying, you darkness will not have the last word. And this vision also defines the darkness. The light of God's light makes us see the darkness of our world ever more clearly. When I was a kid, um, our family vacations were often camping trips. And I remember every night sitting by the fire, and I would try and get as close to the fire as I could. 
And if you've sat around a campfire, you know that campfires cast a circle of light. And the bigger the fire, the bigger circle of light. And I just love to sit in that warm circle of light. But then the time would always come when you'd have to get up and go to bed. And as soon as you walk out of that circle of light, it's like the darkness got darker. The light reveals the depth of the darkness. Look at how a single candle can both defy and define the darkness. When Jesus was teaching in the temple, he said this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me won't walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the light of the world, Jesus said. And as the light of the world, Jesus both defied and defined the darkness. He defied the darkness by saying things like, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. If you want to be first, then be servant of all. Jesus defied the darkness by befriending the scandalized in society by overturning oppressive rules, by forgiving sins, by extending mercy. Jesus defied the darkness, but Jesus also defined the darkness because the brightness of his light revealed the darkness of the world, the darkness that was so threatened by his message. The darkness that plotted to take his life, the darkness that nailed him to a cross. You see, Jesus' light defined the depth of the world's darkness. And so here we find ourselves, this first Sunday of Advent, holding these two realities in tension. Christ is the light of the world. And the light of Christ is bright indeed, and the darkness of this world is dark. The brokenness is heavy. And we, here in this season of Advent, are caught in the middle. That's what it means to live in this peculiar season. It means to hold these two in tension. And so what do we do with this? What do we do with this tension in which we are living? How are we to live with both the vision of, of God's world as God intends it, knowing that our world is a far cry of what God intends? Do we get discouraged? Do we say, there is no way we're ever going to beat our swords into pruning tools? There is no way our world is ever going to look like God describes it. And do we just give up all hope for this world so that we can hope for life in the next? We could, but that wouldn't be faithful to what Isaiah tells us to do. Isaiah, who saw this vision with his own eyes, who had to tell his broken, weary people who longed for God's world, Isaiah had to tell them to not get discouraged, not to give up. Instead, here's what he told his people. Come, come, house of Jacob. Let's walk by the Lord's light. Let's walk by the Lord's light. Meaning, let's make God's dream a reality. Let's reflect the light that God shines on us into this dark world. Let's do something to change our little broken corner of the world so that it more reflects the world transformed by God. 
that's the most amazing part of this vision, I think. Isaiah's vision of a transformed world isn't something that God was hoping to create. This vision of a transformed world isn't something that God was wanting to create. Isaiah's vision of a transformed world is something God is creating. God is at work all around us, all around us, transforming our broken world into something beautiful. That's what God is doing. That's what God is up to all of the time, in all places, with all people. And God invites us to be a part of that transforming work. God invites us to help make God's dream come true. Come, Isaiah told his people, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. My first appointment was to a rural church, and I remember my first Christmas there driving through the back country roads um, where you could see house to house, and there would be single candles burning in all of the windows, and that was the only light on the roads at night, these single candles burning in the windows. This was not a tradition where I grew up in Florida And I was intrigued by this beautiful picture of light welcoming, shining brightly in a house set um, in the dark of the night. Do you know where this tradition comes from? As best as I can tell, it's an Irish tradition that dates back to those dark years when Christians were killing each other because they didn't agree. Um, It dates back to those times, especially when the Protestants were persecuting the Catholics. The Catholics were being killed. Priests were not allowed to do their work. They were on the run to save their lives. It was a dark, dark time. But in rural Ireland, the Catholic people who lived there found a way to be a, a place of brightness and hope in this dark world. So here's what they did. They put a single candle shining in their windows. And this candle was a symbol that any priest on the run could find shelter and refuge at their house. That he would be welcomed, that they could celebrate Christmas with him, that he would be cared for. And when the the Protestant authorities saw these windows or these candles in all their windows, they asked, what's this about? And the the Catholics told them that this was a candle to welcome the Christ child who found no room at the inn, which was true in a way, because by creating safe, loving space in a world of danger and violence, they were creating space for Jesus to dwell in their hearts, in their lives, in their home. In their dark world, they had learned to walk by the light of the Lord. You and I know that as we leave this place, as we enter into the crazy world of Christmas time, that we are also entering a world that is burdened by the weight of brokenness, of darkness. You and I know that that world out there is not the world that God intense, not the world that God will leave us with, that God is in the work of transforming it. And you and I have a choice. We can either leave this place and lament the state of the world and complain about it or just wallow in its pain, 
and say, that's just how it is, that's unfortunate, or, or you can brave the darkness and walk by the light of the Lord in the darkest of places. You can put your candle in the window and you can do what you can to care for the vulnerable, the outcast, the persecuted. You can put your candle in the window and love your enemies, pray for those who hurt you, be the servant of all. You can put your candle in the window and defy the darkness as you define it. Jesus came to be the light of the world. His light is transforming this weary world into the world that God dreams of. And you, you are invited to help God make his dream come true. So as this Advent season begins, I invite you, let us walk by the light of the Lord.